Hey, good day. Thanks for joining us today. This is a great weekend. Super cold temperatures, Valentine's Day, President's Day, it all adds up. Hey, regardless, today we're connecting to continue the conversation about the early church. This was just another great week for me this past weekend to connect with so many folks. Hey, if we haven't had a time to connect, let's set some time on the calendar. You can see my calendar link by sending the word gathering to 66599. Within the link, you can see the, the, the link to actually schedule coffee with me. It gets right on my calendar. You can also see the gathering guide for today. So go out there and grab that. We have some other stuff that's coming up in the next couple of months. We have Easter that's coming up in April. Hard to believe it's already time to be planning towards that. And we're also planning towards so many other events right now for this summer and this fall, but a lot of that is just hinged upon our facility, the COVID ratings and other things. But we're gonna keep plugging on and keep plugging away at it. So let's go to prayer before we get started. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you, to uh, come here and to learn more about you. Father, as we open up your scriptures, we ask that you just speak something into us and uh, that we'll just be able to uh, hear something clearly from you and to take our next steps with you today. So we say thank you. We say we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. This is week number two of the early church. Hey, I'm in downtown Indy right now. And what we're going to be doing is taking a look at how the church was building community, building awareness and how they're growing the kingdom in this series. Last week, we took a look at the early church and how they were just living generously within their resources. That was primarily the time and money. Now, let's, let's look at how the early church put their full trust in Christ in the midst of life and death. This is a great reading that we're going to jump into today. You can go ahead and open up to Acts chapter seven. Just last week, we looked at how the early church was living generously, like I said, and how that greed can impede the grace and generosity. You know, that's the basic overview of Acts 4 and 5 that we read. Now, if you look back over the pages, you can see how the church has started growing again, while in the midst of the persecution as it started to rise up against the apostles and disciples and what they were doing. The Jewish leaders and overall customary approaches were just ultimately being challenged. They're being challenged to look outside of what they've been doing, what they've always known, and looking at things in just this different waypoint and, and a different way to point towards Jesus. You see, as I've mentioned many times over the last several months, the Jewish people, they just let their traditions and devoutness turn ultimately into idols, to turn into rope prayers and to turn into these elaborate look at me types of ceremonies of simply going through the motions. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some that actually got it, kind of like Nicodemus, remember him? But he just couldn't pull himself to the other side with Jesus to simply trust and obey. Now, the vast majority were so far stuck in their traditions and customs that they just moved further and further away from God. They moved further away from those that weren't Jewish. They looked down on anyone that wasn't like them. They became very self-centered. And that's about sounding like church overall today, right? Now I tell you what, there are so many things that are going on in this world right now that are just pushing people further and further from God, further and further from the church, and that shouldn't be happening. I'd like to challenge that with us, to not sit back and be like other churches and embrace others. So today we're covering Acts 6 through 7. Early on we see that there's a problem with the Christians 
that are not taking care of each other. And so there are these seven leaders that are now newly named to help to spread the good news. They're helped to spread the resources and to be there for them. One of those seven is Stephen. So let's take a closer look at him as we dive into this. This is the single longest talk recorded in Acts and quite the talk it is that Luke just laid it out here. So let's go and look at Acts chapter seven. So Acts chapter seven uh, is Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin. We're not gonna read through every aspect of this, but he's going ahead and challenging the Sanhedrin. He's in front of them. And what does he do? He goes back to the testimony. He goes back into the historical aspects of looking and saying the Israelites and the stories. And so what he's doing here is he's building this case, building this story to be able to point more people back to Jesus, right? To be able to point them, see, this is where we come from and now we're going head on into here because he's taking a look at all the different aspects of everything these devout Jews here with the Sanhedrin, they all know exactly what all that Stephen is testifying to and going through and, and laying out the story. And he continued on through into verse 44 where he says, Our father, forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. So like he's, he's pulling on their heartstrings. He's telling them, laying it all out. But where we're going to jump into is Acts 7.48. So if you want to turn the page or uh, fast forward into your app, Acts 7.48 is where I'm going to start reading. And so um, as we're reading here, I want you to start thinking and seeing about testimony, about Stephen's boldness, and um, really where he is here. You see, earlier on in this, when they were reading, they, they said that Stephen's face shone like an angel. That's reflective of Moses when he would spend time in the presence of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be radiating. So Acts 7, 48. It says, however, the Most High does not live in the houses made by men, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord. You see, he's challenging in there, right? They're trying to build up their own houses, their own empires, their own gods, their own places of worship, and trying to be holy and devout and only centered, self-centered on them, not where God's wanting to said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Everywhere. Everywhere is really a place. It says, or where will my resting place be? Has not my hands made all these things? That's what God's saying is, I made it all. You don't need to have a house to worship me. This is all here. And it's pointing it out. So verse 51, it says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You see, Stephen right here is going back and utilizing this this is a part of Stephen's speech, if I didn't mention that. Um, and he's saying, you stiff-necked people. That's taken them all the way back to the Israelites when they were um, being in pain. When Moses, remember Moses came out and he said, you stiff-necked people, uh, and broke the Ten Commandments, those tablets, out of fury and anger. And now Stephen's bringing up the same type of boldness and same aspect. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Ouch. Ouch. See, Stephen is just laying it out there, pointing them out, pointing them back, saying, guys, come on. This is um, verse 52. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? 
man, he's coming after them hard, isn't he? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. So now he's pointing them to Jesus. That's what he's doing here. He's laying it out and he's pointing them to Jesus. The righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. And you have even received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. So, see, again, Stephen is just laying this out here, saying, you're, you've got all these, but you're not being devout. You're not being part of it. And so we're going on here in verse 54, the stoning of Stephen. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at them. So this is a time of just absolutely, they're mad. So when they say gnashing their teeth, they'd be grinding their teeth, they'd be like, really mad, really upset. And verse 55 here is awesome. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Isn't that awesome? You see, this is right here is the beginning and really a reflective of who Jesus is, of what Jesus went through on the cross to die for our sins. This is the exact replica of what happened then. You see, Stephen is being persecuted just like Jesus was. Jesus was flogged, he was beaten, he was yelled at, he was condemned. He had to carry his cross. He went and he died on the cross. And they were still just attacking him throughout. So verse 54, the stoning of Stephen is the start of this story. It says, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him, like I just read. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing right there. Again, just that affirmation. This is one of the few times that it says that Jesus is standing. It's kind of like, well done, son. I'm here. I'm, I'm cheering you on. Uh, and that's, that's kind of like the, the visual of it. And then verse 56, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And you see, he opened it up and he said that. Verse 57, at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. You see, they're calling this for blasphemy. He was saying that he could see God. That, um, and so in, in making this, this is coming against every single aspect of these rabbis and what they were trained and taught. And now Stephen's going against it. And so the, this is just a furious mob scene of them coming after him and just going full force at him. So they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul is who we will later know as Paul. And this is the forefront. And so with them laying their clothes at the, at the feet of Saul is saying that he is bearing witness to that he is a part of this that he is the one that's overseeing this he was seen as the leader of that and so the young man saw they laid their their clothes at the feet of the young man saw and started verse 59 while they were stoning him Stephen prayed while they're stoning him Stephen prayed and this is just reflective just like Jesus he said Lord Jesus receive my spirit then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he said this, he fell asleep. And also just verse one, I just wanna read it of chapter eight. And it says, and Saul was there giving approval of his death. Wow, 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 such a powerful testimony and a stance by Stephen. 
See, we're, we're now also introduced to Saul, like I just mentioned. You know G.K. Chesterton, he's a great theologian from the late 19th century to the early 20th centuries. This quote from him is just spot on, not only for the early disciples, but for us as disciples for Jesus right now. It says, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. Wow. Oh man, don't sign me up for that, right? <laughs> what I love about this quote is how it just points us all back to Jesus. If we keep our eyes on him, we will be absurdly happy as we won't be comparing ourselves to anyone else around us. We will be completely fearless as we look at him and look him in the eyes and we don't waver from that. But what ends up and it ends up with is that we all often overlook as believers is that there will be trouble. GK, GK even said it, there will be constant trouble. See, we are never promised an easy life free from trouble. Becoming a Christ follower doesn't mean that all the toils and all the troubles of the world will just disappear. No, no. It actually can cause us all to have even more trouble overall. You see, the closer that we come to Jesus, to look him in the eyes by worshiping, reading, praising, and praying, it's through that time that we become less fearful and we become more happy. It's, it's in that time that we become a brighter light, just like Moses did when he spent time with God in the tent of meetings, or even on the mountain, remember that? He came out of that time just radiating. And that's what happens when we sit down and we spend time with God. We radiate His joy, His peace, His happiness. You see, when you radiate that, it's going to attract the attention of the devil. And that trouble can come at you really hard and really heavy. And there will be times of temptations and trials. There's going to be times of utter chaos. You see, we all start chasing our own things and in our own ways, and we try to keep up with Joneses and our material stuff. Well, come on, let's keep up with the Moseses and the Stevens, or the Pauls, the Peters, and the Matthews. Let's keep up with them. You see, as we grow closer to Jesus and become stronger disciples, and we can point others to Him, it's through that time that our, our trust and faith in Jesus grows to carry us right through this life and into death. So what do we see in all of this from the early church? Well, we see a lot of comparables to the early church, from the early church into today. So let's just touch base on the persecution aspect. Lots of you are saying that we are being persecuted now more than ever. Um, hey, I don't see that. I don't see that our religious freedoms are at complete jeopardy, do you? You know, I don't see that our lives are in jeopardy for worshiping, for sitting here in this public space talking. I don't see that we're being put to death for our beliefs. But what I do see is that we're not confident and bold enough to stand up for our faith. We aren't confident enough to live out our faith. We aren't confident enough to reach out to those that are around us just to tell them the good news because we're afraid what they might say or what they might think of us. We're afraid to invite others because they may say no. We're afraid to invite others because our church doesn't have all these bells and whistles that you've seen at other churches in the past. You know, we're afraid to invite others because 
we're doing church differently. Or maybe it's because we're not big enough. There's only a few of us or a whole bunch of us. You know, what's happening is that we're actually persecuting ourselves. Come on, let's be a church that's on fire for Jesus. Let us invite everyone in. Let us be at the, we're at the ground floor of this amazing church that is being built through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Here at Emerge, Emerge, this is God's church, but he's asking us to take the lead, for us to be able to do our part. Okay, I'll someone get off my soapbox on this. Let's, let's go ahead and take a look at what Stephen has said and how he's taking a stand for Jesus all the way up to death by stoning. As I mentioned earlier, this is the longest recorded message in Acts. And it just, it shows the importance that Luke, the author of this, that he attached to it. You see, Stephen's boldness was there to spread the good news to all around. He went and laid out the story. He laid the groundwork in three ways to point us all to looking towards Jesus, looking towards the church, and looking towards us. Each of these statements can go into any of these three of Jesus, church, or us as Christ followers. These are three different points that Stephen makes really clear in this reading. And the first one is there is progress and change in God's program. The second one is the blessings of God are not limited to one area. And the third one is we can always inhibit God's ways. So let's look at these. There is progress and change in God's program. You see, God was creative and innovative in his dealings with humans and particularly with Israel. You see, from the earliest of time, God was creative in the design of the Garden of Eden, right? To the approach that he had with Abraham to work across the entire human race, to, to spread the good news. He used unordinary characters to establish his presence across the time and area. He used the most broken, hurt, and crazy people that tried to do it all in their own power at some point in their lives, that they were trying to shape and mold this world into what we're here and right now. He sent the Israelites through the toil and the hardship to ultimately into their promised land. You see, God was creative in meeting with Moses in that burning bush. Do you remember that? even meeting them on the mountain, to, and traveling in a cloud and fire to lead them through the desert. He was creative in designing the early temples, the, the Ark of the Testimony, the creative aspects of designing this early ten of meetings in the shape of a cross, with the seven items being designed for the tent of meetings. You see, God is creative in his programs and his ways, and it's to point us all back to live out in his will. We see how he guides and orchestrates all of this. We can see that the temple was to be a symbol of God's presence and not the very home of God. How creative is that, right? Next, let's look at this one. Number two, the blessings of God are not limited to one area. You see, his blessings are not limited to the land of Israel or a certain geography. And it's not limited to the temple area. See, some of Israel's greatest favors were bestowed apart from the temple and the promised land. You know, we all want to focus on church as a building, but it's not about a big building. It's not about bells and whistles and worship. Church is all about a group of people 
that are convening to worship and learn more about God with each other, to grow in relationship with one another and to grow closer to God. That's what it is. So the blessings of God are not limited to one area of our life or the lives of those that are around us. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are so missing out. If you're simply just going through the motions to check off the next box, to say that you were here on a Sunday, I can tell you what, you're missing out for all that God has for you in your life. I can tell you that time and time again about the lives that are being transformed. I've seen people that have not known Jesus or maybe even drifted away, like really far away. And once they drifted away, life became incredibly difficult. No joy, no peace. But once they started coming back into God's Word, that started praying to praising, and once Jesus became the center of it all, that's when life and the transformation came in so many ways to see the blessings of God in their lives. Now finally, what we can see here is number three, we can always inhibit God's ways. See, Israel in its past ways gave a pattern of opposition to God's plans and his men. Did they not? This is the, the main point of Stephen's speech. As, as it climaxes, as it comes to the top, it says, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. See, we can be stiff-necked people, can't we? We can get in the, God, I've got this mentality. You know, the last couple of weeks have been pretty tough on me personally, with a, almost a, a lack of a schedule. I've, I've always had a pretty good tight schedule, but lately my schedule has been so full that I've just lost track of things. See, I started chasing opportunities on sales when I, I should have been working on a sermon. Or I was working on something for the church when I should have been following up with a client. You see, I, what was happening is I was trying to do it all in my own power and I was trying to power through. I was trying to take control of situations and put myself in the driver's seat to, to take myself into the next level by downshifting and revving up my engine and to just go right around this next obstacle. I finally hit the point of, why am I trying to do this in my own power? You see, I realized I couldn't do it, so I slowed down and I said, God, lead me to the next priority and don't let me miss anything that you want me to do. You see, I'm not perfect. There's only one perfect man, right? Jesus. But I'm striving towards it. You see, Stephen's three main points here in this speech, they fit together. Since there is progression in God's program, and since his blessings are not limited to the temple, Israel had better be careful not to resist his workings as they had in the past. They would withstand God's purpose by refusing to see his work in the church and his blessing outside the borders of Israel. And that's how we can all be, right? To not see what God is doing all around us. So what else did you hear today? What are your application points? How, how are you going to live out your testimony? How are you going to reach out to those unbelievers that are all around you? How are you going to trust Christ in life and death situations? Would you be willing to be persecuted for your faith? Or would you just like to lay low and stay out on the side? See, there are so many different application points and things that the Holy Spirit can be saying to you right now. 
So let's go to prayer. And we're going to start off with this posture and this presence. And as we start our prayer time, I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to do? And then just sit there and listen. So go ahead. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me to do? Spirit for guiding and directing each of us for us to slow down and to listen to you. Thank you for your presence and for revealing in your word what it is that we should do. That we should be bold in our faith and bold in our testimony and that we should just show and point others to you at all costs. So help us to find ways to do that in different ways that we can do as you have called us to. Maybe it's a one-on-one -on -one setting. Maybe it's in front of a group. Maybe it's that next-door neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's over text message. Whatever it is, God, help us to be more bold in our faith, to point more people to you, and to trust you in every aspect. So, God, we just ask that you be with us today and throughout this week. Father, we have lots of things that are going through our minds that are weighing us down, our hearts that are hurting, our bodies that are broken. And so, God, we just ask that you meet us where we are and those that are around us. Uh, you know the prayer requests. You know those that are going through surgery and those that are going through recovery, those that are trying to bring their marriage back together. Father, you know those that are trying to do everything in their own power. And so let our hearts, our, the, the prayer of our hearts be, Father, lead me, and may we just rest in you, and to see you, and to fall deeper in love with you, because God, when we grow closer to you, it is just an absolute overflow into our lives all around us, and so help us to continue to seek you, Jesus, help us continue to trust, and learn, and lean into you, and let you lead us in every aspect, try to, not to do anything in our own power, but to follow, and to trust you. And so, God, we're just going to give it to you. We're going to give it to every lost person for this broken world where we are. And we're just going to say thank you in advance. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I want you guys to have a fantastic week. Make sure you go out and flip down through those announcement guides. Fill out a connection card. Let us know you're here. Type it down in the comments below. Uh, if you watched to this point and um, let us know where you viewed in from or what God is talking to you or the Holy Spirit revealed to you, uh, how we can pray for you, write those things down or fill it out on the connection card. There's an area for prayer, praise and prayer request. Put it down. We pray for you. Just had five of them come in last week and we're lifting those up in prayer. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for your support, for your love, for your... just being you. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you, and um, I love you guys so much, praying for you all the time, and I can't wait to see you in person the next time around. So have a fantastic week, enjoy the time, and keep pointing your eyes. Keep looking right to Jesus, and fall deeper in love with Him each and every day. Have a great week, guys. Bye.